Coming up on Harvard Chan this week in health, responding to the devastation caused by Tropical Storm Harvey. This is not going to be a quick resolution to this. This is going to take not weeks, not months, but years for them to recover from this disaster. In this week's episode, we speak with Richard Serino, a former deputy administrator at FEMA, about the response to the storm so far in Houston and what we can expect as Harvey makes its way to Louisiana and New Orleans. Hello and welcome to Harvard Chan This Week in Health. It's Thursday, August 31st, 2017. I'm Noah Levitt. And I'm Amy Monomiro. This week we'll be focusing on the response to Tropical Storm Harvey, which has caused devastating flooding around Houston, Texas, and spiking landfall as a hurricane on August 26th. The storm has dumped nearly 50 inches of rain as being blamed for more than two dozen deaths, though that number is likely to rise. The storm is next heading to Louisiana, where there are also concerns about flooding. To get an update on the response for Harvey so far, and the next steps, we spoke with Richard Serino by phone. He served as Deputy Administrator of FEMA from 2009 to 2014, and is currently a Distinguished Visiting Fellow at the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative at the Harvard Chan School and Harvard Kennedy School. I started our conversation with Serino by asking him what's worked well so far in terms of the emergency response, and what some of the major challenges are that still need to be addressed. I think one of the things that have been working well has been the coordination, the communication between the federal, the state, the local level um, in preparation for hobby making landfall, and then also in the initial rescue portion of the response as well. Uh, one of the biggest challenges is that it's very much still in the life safety uh, mode, looking at how to save lives. There's still a number of people that are trapped in homes. There are people that they're still finding uh, in their homes and trying to get those people to safety. One of the things that we have seen that's been very good is along with the federal, state, and the local resources, we've seen a lot of uh, neighbors helping neighbors, uh, watching how people are able to help each other uh, and bringing out people with their own boats, going to rescue people. In fact, the mayor of Houston asked for people if they have boats to come out and help. And I think that's an important aspect, that this is a whole community response. It's bringing together the federal, state, locals bringing together the citizens, but also the nonprofits, the Red Cross, the Salvation Army, Team Rubicon, that are helping uh, helping others and also going to be there for the long term, looking at how to have people uh, from the Southern Baptists that are going to shelters and feeding 20,000 people a day, um, but also the faith-based community that comes in and to help them feed people, clothe people, and house people. Um, and time for the and the businesses to step up and assist too for the businesses that are impacted, but also other ones in the area and throughout the country, they're going to be able to help as well. And so you mentioned that they're very much in this life-saving mode at the moment. And I think one of the things that has stood out over the past couple of days is there appears to be this almost backlog of emergency calls because so many people are stranded, so many people need help. So as an emergency responder, as kind of a leader on the ground, what are some of the things they have to balance in terms of working through that backlog of people who do need help? Uh, one of the things is to prioritize what people's needs are. Uh, anybody that's, uh, you know, in a flooded home that's trapped in, they have medical conditions, serious medical conditions, those are the ones that are going to be triaged and prioritized first. If people are just in their homes with water and there's no medical emergency, they'll move down a little bit further and then somebody will come to get them next. So they're going through a triaging and prioritizing process first. And then from there, then they'll decide where to go after that and just taking the most severe emergencies right now with the resources that they have. 
What do you think has been unique about Harvey that has made it so devastating? I know on some level it's the fact that it's almost just stalled over the city and just keeps dumping rain. But are there other factors at play that have made this such a devastating storm? Well, I think it's 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 multifaceted. These these type of emergencies are very complex emergencies, complex disasters. And Harvey, what's unique, it's the first time that we've had a major hurricane hit the United States in, in 12 years. And then on top of that, it was a large major urban area uh, that had has over 6 million people in it that has received, as of recently, at least 49 inches of rain, and it's still raining. And that's totally unprecedented. So a combination of the initial winds along the coast that caused damage and some surge, and it had a lot of damage, but now a little, just a little bit inland to Houston, they've had this 49 inches of rain uh, that is un. Uh, as I said, unprecedented. It's tough to figure out, you know, where people can go and how they were able to uh, get out of their homes and into a shelter. And this might be difficult to assess because the storm is still ongoing. But from a public health perspective, what are some of the major issues we're seeing in Houston? I mean, are there concerns about water safety, disease outbreaks? Do we have a sense of the situation at all in that regard? Uh, it's a little too early for that, but people are very much aware of it. The Assistant Secretary of Preparedness and Response at Health and Human Services have a number of teams that are on site. They've sent a number of disaster medical assistance teams down to help staff some of the shelters where people are going to try and get a heads up on not just the regular medical problems, but also to look at any public health potential disease outbreaks and have a number of people there as well. There's a number of uh, U.S. Public Health Service staff that are being deployed or already on site. And that's what we're looking at is how to keep ahead of it. You touched on in the beginning that emergency responders were kind of in a good position before the storm came in. Would you say that Houston was well prepared for this storm? Other things that first responders could have done a little bit differently? Well, it's it's really even too early to look at any sort of after action. As I said, it's still in the life safety mode. Uh, Houston and Texas has had a number of flooding incidents over the last number of years. They have a lot of experience. Houston, uh, when I was the deputy administrator of FEMA, we were down there, looked at some of the uh, mitigation uh, tools they have in place, both for the city and also with some of the hospitals, with some of the best in the country. So they've been preparing for flooding for, for quite a while. Um, and the Texas State Emergency Management Director, uh, Nim Kidd, is somebody who is, again, a very experienced, very knowledgeable uh, emergency manager. And a combination of those uh, and the drills they've had uh, have helped. And but now I think after now's not the time to criticize. Now's the time for you know everybody to come together because no one agency can do this alone. This is something that we need to have you know everybody coming together. Um, and, you know, not just save lives, but also help shelter people. And for people who may be watching this response just by watching news coverage, can you give a sense of the scope of the response? I mean, can you kind of describe what it does take to respond to a storm of this magnitude, the number of agencies, the number of people involved? Sure. This is in the, the hundreds of thousands of people that are involved in the response from all across the nation, uh, supporting Texas and the governor of Texas, who is supporting the local communities. There will be uh, representatives from all federal agencies that are involved. Uh, FEMA has sent uh, a couple of thousand people down. There's another thousand that will be coming down throughout Department of Homeland Security, uh, Health and Human Services, Department of Defense, Energy, Small Business Administration, across the gamut from the federal area coming in to help. 
but then also uh, throughout the, the state, uh, the governor has uh, activated the entire National Guard for the state of Texas. In addition to that, um, all the first responders, the urban search and rescue teams from around the country have responded. But then we also have all the voluntary agencies. I mentioned the Red Cross. The, uh, in addition to the Red Cross, there's the Salvation Army, Samaritan's Purse, Team Rubicon, literally hundreds of volunteer organizations that are coming in. And as I mentioned earlier, this is a complex emergency. And with complex emergencies, that's when we need to have good coordination in order to serve the most people uh, and get the right people to the right location at the right time. So I think that one of the challenges, I'm guessing, of a disaster like this is that you can't really necessarily predict how much rain will fall, what the winds will be like, until it actually occurs. So how do agencies try to prepare for things like this? What sort of drills can they run to be prepared for when disaster does strike? I think one of the things that's important is to, to look at how people uh, are prepared in the in they take the opportunity to have drills similarly. You may not know exactly how much rain is going to fall, but you certainly can prepare, as we call it, all hazards. Um, one of the things that we look at is in, historically in, in emergency management, people look at the four C's, communication, cooperation, uh, coordination, and collaboration. And I add a fifth one as well, compassion, because I think we have to remember it's about the people and it's about the survivors. And as we start to look at this, taking all those together really takes great leadership. And having leadership will be the key is the way that we can bring the unity of effort, which is now saved lives that will go to shelter and then eventually housing, and how we're able to, to bring all those people together. And we've seen the generosity of spirit across uh, people with their boats, but uh, the Red Cross, people coming in, uh, giving supplies, giving food. Uh, and now looking at the housing issues. Uh, and we've so far seen there hasn't been uh, any ego, no ego, no blame throughout this, the people able to come to work together. This is not going to be a, a quick resolution to this. This is going to take not weeks, not months, but years for them to recover from this disaster. And that segues well because I'd wanted to ask about the next steps. It sounds like the immediate next step after you deal with saving lives would be assessing the shelter needs for tens of thousands of people. So what are the short-term next steps and then maybe some of the longer-term next steps, as you just alluded to? Well, I think, the, the again, still very much in the save lives mode now. But once that is taken care of, is move to sheltering, getting people the basics they need, food, water, uh, substance, uh, ability to, to get clean and dry clothes. Uh, once that's taken care of, then move into a, a period where out of the shelter and hopefully into at least a hotel or Airbnb, which is uh, offered their, their uh, homes for free at no charge. Um, so I think looking at that and then also how do we, now turn into short-term rentals to get people into a house for a while, but there's only so much, so many openings and availability, and then that moves to the to the next stage is how do you develop and how do you get housing for folks as well. Uh, but then you have to look at getting schools back open, once you get businesses back open, and once you're able to get that done, um, then people feel a sense of community. But again, trying to keep people in their same neighborhoods where this total devastation is very difficult. So it seems like the obvious comparison here is Katrina, not just geographically in terms of the location, but also what we're seeing in terms of the widespread flooding. 
So can you maybe put in perspective, how does what we're seeing in Houston now compare to what happened with Katrina more than a decade ago? Well, I, I think there's, there's a lot of differences is that there was a main levy break that happened in uh, New Orleans that people weren't quite ready for. And that happened and that, that flooded the area very quickly. Even though this is flooded, this has happened, you know, over a period of days as opposed to within hours. That gave people at least some time to, to be aware of, the, of that as well. Um, also, since Katrina, there's been a lot of lessons learned, the coordination uh, between the federal, the state, the local agencies, communication with the public uh, has much improved since then as well. And so quickly, kind of jumping off of that, I know that the track of the storm has it next heading to Louisiana and maybe New Orleans. So what does the future hold there? Is Louisiana prepared for this? Are we likely to see some of the same damage that we're seeing in Houston? What do you expect to see as the storm heads into Louisiana? It, it, it's going to depend on the track of the storm and how much rain continues to fall with the storm. I know Louisiana, they, they've had uh, flooding earlier. Uh, recently, they had a large flood last year. Um, so they're, they're being prepared. They had some um, issues in New Orleans with some of the pumps that they're trying to get rectified. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a challenge if this much rain goes into New Orleans as well. If they get uh, 49 inches of rain in New Orleans. Uh, that's going to uh, cause a lot of problems there as well. And so just one follow-up there, I mean, is this the kind of thing when you get 49 inches of rain that no matter how well-prepared you are, that no matter how much you've improved the infrastructure, that you're going to face some challenges because that's just such a large amount of water? That's unprecedented amounts of water that, that are falling in a fairly short period of time. And uh, anybody to deal with that anywhere will be a challenge. And as much as you practice, as much as you drill, maybe call these disasters for a reason. Um, this is not going to be an easy fix. This is not something that people are going to be able to, you know, just say, oh, tomorrow we're going to go back to normal. There's going to be a new normal in Texas, and hopefully not, but there could be a new normal in Louisiana as well. That was our conversation with Richard Serino about the response to Harvey. And as Serino said, this is a recovery that's likely to take months and even years. So we'll be following the developments in future episodes. That's all for this week's episode. A reminder that you can always find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher.